For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit MyPillow.com. Use the code word REBEL for a discount on pillows, sheets, pet beds, and everything else at MyPillow.com. Woo! Rebels, it's that time. Can you feel it? Are you ready to be a great parent? Do you want to feel like you're back on your honeymoon? Well, we believe in you and God believes in you. Rebels, it's time to join the rebellion. It's time for Rebel Parenting. How you doing, Rebels? All you powerful parents, hope you are having a great week. It is Thanksgiving today, and we are grateful for each and every one of our listeners and supporters. We appreciate you so much. Thank you for checking out the new website. We've gotten so many visits there. Thank you for donating. We appreciate that. All your donations are tax deductible. We could not reach out to families like we do without your support, and we appreciate it so much. Thank you. Good podcast for you today. Our friends Clint and Penny Bragg are on talking about separation and divorce. Their story is fascinating. You're going to love it. Not many programs tackle these kinds of subjects. We are going to dive right into it on today's edition of Rebel Parenting. Oh, what's happening, Rebels? So good to see you today. Second show of the day. Yeah, hello, everybody. Welcome. Thanks for listening. We've got our friends Clint and Penny Bragg on the broadcast today. Thank you guys so much for coming on. Thanks for having us. You know, I was going to ask, you know, we're going to talk about unwanted divorce and separation. I'm wondering now, because I used to talk about divorce, I don't know, five or ten years ago, and got quite a bit of pushback Mm. on it. Do you get a lot of pushback in the evangelical community for talking about separation and divorce? Depends on where we are yes. in, the, in the in the country. In the, <laughs> if we're in the South, it's a little bit more pushback. You know, Midwest maybe a little bit. Um, West, yeah. yeah. So you know, it just depends on where the church is, where the leadership. If they yeah. really yeah. consider marriage really the backbone of the church, because mm-hmm. everything comes from the marriage and you know how men's uh, ministry and women's ministry but you don't see marriage ministry very much in any church there's maybe one percent we see that all the time yep right date night yeah yeah maybe a retreat every other year or something like that but it's not enough you need to be intentional about marriage and god said you need to be intentional about marriage and we haven't listened to his words. Mm. Yeah, that's right. I mean, that's the thing Laura and I found that our marriage on. I was working for a guy named Jim Burns. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him. Great speaker, great author. We recommend his stuff all the time. And I was walking along with him one day and he goes, you know, Ryan, some marriages just naturally work together. They just flow in the same direction. The couple gets along really easily. And I was like, oh, okay, awesome. And he goes, mine isn't one of those marriages. And I was like, what you know but you're a pastor you lead you're, ministry. you're a christian leader like my mind just was like you know and he said because of that at least once a year my wife kathy and i do something to remind us how much we want to be married we go to a conference we go to an intensive we seek counseling we read a book we do something to strengthen our marriage and to remind us how much we want to be married to each other And Laura and I took that into our marriage. I can't Mm -hmm. tell you the dividends it paid off to focus on our marriage. Mm. Yeah, and that's so rare, you know, because a lot of times when we are in a church, we get a feeling that the pastor, they don't want to be involved for the fear maybe that they'd have to expose 
their own, you know, marriage stuff, (laughs) willing to do that. But the wife will come around, the pastor's wife will come around sometimes and start asking questions and wishing that, yeah, it's real interesting. Totally. So I want to start with hearing your story. You've got Mm -hmm. a pretty unique story. I think it'll relate to some people out there and why you do focus so much on marriage and why we're talking about this subject. Yeah, it's a pretty crazy story. We're still in awe of what God has done. (laughs) Basically, we were Christians in the church, married in 1989. We were leaders in the church. Clint says, like, the little church darlings, you know, the ones in a small church will do everything anybody asks them to do. We're go-getters. We're type A. Yeah, so we made it two years. A honeymoon year was great. Yeah, and, it, yeah, it was great. We were working together to try and further God's kingdom. But the trouble is, is we never knew how to say no. And you know, in the Bible, it says when you first get married, especially if you're in the military, you're supposed to be excused for a year so that you could get to know one another. Yep. That's not yep. been done in today's society. Nope, and the, the thing about it was, is we were running 100 miles an hour. And the thing about it is we thought we were doing what we were supposed to do, but we weren't paying attention to each other's needs. And, you know, we started getting away from why we were together. Mm. And here's the other part of that we realized later. So the marriage did end in divorce. It was less than two years. I left, put a few things in the suitcase. I split. You know, we had so many secrets that we had never shared with each other. So much stuff from our past. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So many differences. We can look back now and see that very, very clearly. Sure, sure. Yeah. When the divorce happened. It was like the Red Sea. He went his way and I went my way. We never had kids together. We never had another ounce of contact. No. There were no, you couldn't stalk each other's social media back in 1991. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That was a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cell phones, no email, anything. Yeah, and the texting that goes on today, you know, one of the problems that we see with couples when they they separate or they're in the middle of separation, they'll start texting or emailing their friends and forget that reply to all means or replies to your spouse as well. And so a lot of guys just shoot themselves in the foot by their harsh words. Yep. And so when Penny and I split, I zipped my mouth. I didn't say anything. In fact, our church was hurt because they didn't know what went down and Mm. I wasn't sharing. She left the church. I stayed for three more years, but I didn't share anything with anybody. And I shared everything. I got my family to kind of like Clint was an ogre. Why did you leave him? Yeah, he was real military. You know, I made up all kinds of excuses, but really it was an internal crisis of faith for me. And I mean... This will give you an idea of how hard my heart was at this point. Clint was doing everything to reconcile. He was contacting their pastor, getting people to pray, you know, everything that the Bible says to do. And then he had tried to make contact with me a little bit during the separation. And I mean, I took my wedding ring off when he showed up at my workplace and I threw it at him Mm. across the room. I mean, that's that kind of... And she was a softball player, so it it came with a little bit of heat. (laughs) That throw. (laughs) So this divorce happens and a decade passes and we have had no contact. But during that decade, and I mean zero contact, during that decade, about eight years into our divorce, God really got a hold of my heart, mm. and I just felt very convicted of what I had done and mm-hmm. the mistakes I had made, just all of it, and finally decided, you know what? I've got some baggage, yeah, <laughs> and I need to deal with it. 
So I found a Christian counselor and started working through my issues. I wanted to know why I did what I did and where was I with my faith journey? How could I turn my back on, you know, God and Clint and all this stuff, a lot of sexual stuff and, you know, just all that. So I made this kind of list, I guess you could say, with God of things I wanted to go back and repair if I could mm. to at least apologize for my part because mm-hmm. I had been dishonest with family and friends. I made him out to be such an ogre and all that. But Clint's name, I kept moving to the bottom of the list mm-hmm. uh, because I was still so afraid of, I yeah. mean, it's been 11 years, you know, what yeah. am I going to do? do say like hi it's me just wanted to say i was sorry (laughs) yeah you know so i put it off as long as i could but i was just falling in love with jesus i i never knew as a younger woman and letting him truly touch and heal my heart the way that he longs to do Mm. and just unearthing all that brokenness and i just fell in love so much with god and i wanted to be obedient and even if it meant risking making contact, at least I could say, look, I'm sorry. I also was unfaithful and I wanted to admit that to him, Mm -hmm. you know, just all of that. So it was the winter of 2002. I finally wrote a letter, the most honest letter. And by that time there was an internet. Mm -hmm. So I found him, I did a people search and I found him living over 3000 miles in the way in the state of Florida. And I was still in California. So here now we've got 11 years and 3,000 miles. Mm -hmm. I write the letter and I'm like, I'm done, right? Clink on, I'm like, Lord, wrote the letter, I'm good. So for me, the 11 years that went by, I was doing lots of different things to keep busy because, man, I was hurt inside. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't figure out what my part of the breakdown was because she wasn't communicating with me. So what happened, I became a teacher and I was teaching, coaching. I was a triathlete. I was doing all these things. I was even selling real estate in between period at school. What I was doing was trying to keep as busy as I could so I wouldn't have to think about yeah. What just happened? Mm-hmm. And that over maybe every once in a while, every six months, a year or something, I would be journaling my journal to God and say, why did you break us up? I thought she was the one that we were supposed to, you know, further your kingdom together. And, and then I'd just move on because I tried everything I could to help reconcile with her and she wanted nothing to do with it. So what I did, I finally thought, well, what if I get a fresh start? What if I get a clean slate? You know, it's always greener on the other side of the hill. Mm-hmm. So I moved from California to Florida. And when I got to Florida, I became a real estate investor. And what happened is, is I figured out how to do it there in Florida. And within a year, I'd bought in 26 properties with no money down. It was unbelievable. But yeah. the trouble was, is I couldn't keep up with the pace and the things I had to do to rehab and stuff. Well, within about a year and a half, I finally failed financially, and I landed up having to do something that in my family was a sin. You don't take bankruptcy. You mm-hmm. stand behind your word and do it. I had to do it because the creditors just was hounding me so bad. I got no peace. So anyway, I surrendered everything, and it took a little while after that surrendering everything that I finally surrendered to God because I had been angry at God. God for so long sure. I and I was angry yep. at him for what he did but every time someone would ask him, are you angry at God I'd say no because I felt like he could squish me like a bug right. Yeah. Right. And, yep. and so I said no but I finally fell to my knees mm. I finally found a church because I'd walked away from the church there the last four or five years 
And finally, I confessed to him that I was angry at him. And then I turned around and apologized for that mm -hmm. anger because I said, you didn't play a part in this. I played a part in it. And I'm sorry. And then I made a commitment to him. I said, you know, I'm going to be in the word every day. I'm going to talk to you every day. I'm going to listen to the pastor preach and I'm going to do what he says that week. And we began this journey and he didn't just click his fingers and make everything all right. Yeah. That first year and a half was a pretty tough time for me. But he helped me get back on my feet. He dusted me off. He pointed me in the right directions. I began a new relationship with him that went forever. So one day, about a year and a half mm -hmm. after, two years after that, I get a letter in the mail and it's from Penny. And when I got it, I didn't realize it was from her. I was walking into my house and I noticed it was uh, California. I thought my mom was sending me something. <laughs> and then when I got to the stairs, I saw it was Dublin, California. I said, I don't know anybody in Dublin. I know where it's at. And then the third thing, I saw her name, and she had her maiden name, mm. and I saw that. My heart literally sunk to my knees and back up to my chest. I walked into the house. I put the package on the desk, and I looked at it. I said, God, my life is going well right now. Mm. Is this good news or bad news? Yeah. Should I open this up or throw it in the trash? Well, he had me open it up, and in the letter was something I never thought I'd ever hear from her. First of all, she asked for an apology for the way that she left our marriage. And she really just said she was sorry. And I, and it just, I said, it was unbelievable. Mm. So anyway, the bottom of the letter says, if you get this, I want you to either write me a letter, email me, or give me a call. And she put her phone number in there. So I called her and she wasn't there because the three hour time difference. So I said, I'm going to call you again one more time. What did I say to you? Yeah, so I get his answer at the time, you know, I just mailed the letter and figured, check that off the list. Yep, yep. And so his message said, Penny, it's Clint. No, yeah, not that yes, way. It did. Yeah, it did. <laughs> and he said, I got your letter. I'm going to call you back one more time, 8 o'clock your time. If you're there, you're there. If you're not, you're not. Mm -hmm. And it was that the way it was. And I'm like, oh, dun, 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 uh, you know, <laughs> just scared to death. So he called, and that conversation truly was like the two on the Emmaus road and wow. Jesus came right up next to us. It lasted five hours. Yeah. Mm. It was tender and beautiful. <laughs> it was forgiving. It was glory. I mean, we just, we fell into this conversation of being authentic and real and raw and transparent. Mm. And we had never, never, ever shared to that depth in our marriage. And so many things made sense. And, yeah. mm -hmm. and then I couldn't believe he became a teacher. I became a teacher. He, you know, there were so many common things. We hadn't remarried. But still, at that point, I wasn't thinking about anything other than, wow, God, I can't believe this part of my past is finally closed. And yeah. that's what I wrote in the letter. I am writing this letter to bring healing and closure to my past and hopefully yours. So when we hung up, I mean, that was it for me. It was just, it was done. I was so thankful. We prayed together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Hung up. And then it was like, yes, Lord, that was an absolute miracle. Yeah. Just a miracle. So the next morning I get up to do my quiet time and I'm journaling in my, I mean, my journaling. And I say to the Lord, wow, that was amazing. And the Holy Spirit just kind of let me know, you need to write her a letter. And I said, well, we just talked last night. And <laughs> so, no, you need to write her a letter. 
And in the letter, you know, I told her that she was the love of my life and always was. And I said to her at the end of the letter, have you ever thought about reconciliation? And then, you know, and so I just put it in an envelope, put a couple of stamps on it, put it in the mailbox. Well, if you know anything about Florida and California, it takes about a week to get a letter there. Oh. I sent it on a Saturday afternoon and she got it Monday morning. Yeah. Whoa. So Yeah, it was unbelievable. So I get this letter and it is 10 pages long. And at the end, it says, have you ever considered reconciliation? And he says, there's one thing I didn't tell you on the phone. And that is, I still love you. Mm. I still have love for you. My heart. Oh, I was a mess. I was just a mess <laughs> because I never, I mean, I always looked at myself as the, you know, the adulteress, the one who walked away, mm -hmm. the one who, you know, and so here it was. Mm. And that is not just so like Jesus, you know, to just say, yes, come here, you know? Yeah. And he just. I couldn't believe it. And I had to answer, honestly, no, yeah. I never, ever thought about reconciliation. You know, in our minds with our sin, we think this is just too far gone. Right. There's just right. no hope. Right. Not only was it dead and buried, but it was like there were nails around the edge of the coffin mm. and a whole bunch of dirt was piled on top. Yeah. You know, yeah. you think more dead than dead. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then so this was the beginning of just this, Lord, what are mm -hmm. you doing? This is the wildest thing we have ever thought of. So we did some things right at that point because, yeah. you know, we just, we wanted to get some counsel, yeah. talk yeah. to our pastor, you know, yeah. cause this could be a very euphoric thing yeah. and not maybe God's will. Yeah. God's will. Right. So that, that's yeah. how it happened. That's, that's And then so from that time of the letter, three months later, we decided to meet halfway through the United States. She's from big Italian family and they're nosy and they're getting your business. And oh, but so, you love them. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> make a long story short, we decided to meet in Denver, Colorado. Denver. All right. Where are you guys? Yeah. Okay. And so we met there on Memorial weekend because we were both teachers and we needed to have a three day weekend. We got separate rooms, kept everything above board. And then we Took our journals and we sat in the park the first day and just went over all these things. And she let me ask her all kinds of questions mm. and she asked Oof. me all kinds of questions. Yeah. But that was it. And then three months later, I proposed on that thing. She accepted and remarried three months later. So six months from the time the letter happened to the time we reconciled. It's unbelievable. That's God, amazing. when he sets things in motion and if you follow his lead, they can be slow, or when he says go, you need to put it in gear and get after it. Yeah. That's for sure. Mm. Well, that is a redemption story for sure. And you guys now are marriage missionaries and help marriages and go around the country talking to people about marriage? We do. So, you know, we had a lot of work to do to repair and reconcile. We spent a couple of years really working hard with God and going through all those things, you know, because it's easy to have one argument trigger things from the past, yeah. and we had to figure all that out. Sure. And as we were doing that, we just kept asking God, you know, just, gosh, this is amazing. I don't know what you're doing, but, you know, we're mm -hmm. going to just trust you and keep going. And, and little by little, we set off, it was 2006 when he just kind of laid out a plan for us to launch because we realized that there wasn't a lot of help out there. If you wanted a therapist or a counselor, you could find it, but it was hard to find another couple 
that had been through something like this yeah. or mm-hmm. you know maybe we could be that other couple since we didn't have one yeah. <laughs> yeah. and then we just started we launched we threw some dates together and went to some conferences and just said if we can come help and serve marriages just tell our story work with couples or individual spouses because you know clint was the one left behind and Mm -hmm. that pain and that's why we wrote marriage off course because the spouse left behind usually you have one spouse in one spouse out right and pastors you know god love them they have so much on their plates but Mm -hmm. it's really hard to know what to do with the spouse that's left behind and who wants to reconcile and I mean, I would yeah. say probably 80% of our ministry ended up being working with the spouse left behind because they are just, understandably so, yeah. they've been devastated. Mm. Wow. So yeah, we go where God says go. So what do you experience with those spouses that yeah. are left behind that want to reconcile, that the other one's kind of out there doing their own thing? What's that process like? I mean, are there hope for those spouses? Is it, you know, what's that been like for you guys? For us, since I was the guy left behind, the best thing I did was I zipped my mouth and didn't broadcast my pain. And, you know, people that are left behind have a tendency to be bitter and to take what bitterness and anger they have and start trying to deflect why the other person left. So they say harsh words about their spouse. And what happens is once you lay it out there, you can't take it back, especially if you put it on social media. Yes. And so one of the things that I probably do with guys, I said, first of all, you got to put God first and quit worrying about your spouse. You need to take care of yourself. There's a reason why that person left. There's some things that you have done. You're part of the problem, Mm -hmm. not all of it. But you need to start working on yourself. And the only way you can do that is let God guide and lead you through his word, through other believers that are like-minded. But I says you need accountability. So you need a prayer partner that's, uh, you know, the same gender as you. And so you try and keep the people from, I saw guys (laughs) writing letters to their spouses and leaving them, you know, where they could see them and read them. And they're saying how much I love you. They're buying flowers. They're showing up. They're just doing all kinds of foolish things that makes it worse. Yep. I said, you got to give your space. Yeah. So the guys tend to take action. The guys tend to, you know, like show up on the porch and do all these things to fix this. I can fix it. We're yep. gonna fix it. And the women, it's a lot of emotions, just that, gosh, just that a lot of that grief and terrible pain. And so even in the book, the way we ordered the chapters, we hit it in chapter two, the emotional wasteland, mm. because we so many things happen in that emotional pain. And a lot of times the spouse doesn't realize they're grieving. There's oh, yeah. a death. Yeah. Happening. Right. For sure. The person's still alive, right? But there's a death happening here. And they may look to their church to help or pastor to help or a friend to help or family member to help. I mean, there's just like this desperate cry for help. And so we work with a lot of the emotional pieces. Even sometimes we have to do that before we can kick in with the spiritual yeah. I mean, you know, Mm -hmm. the old part of us would think, all right, let's get that Bible out and crank it open. But, you know, they're bleeding out. So we've got to stop that bleeding and get the tourniquets around them to try to get some focus on God. And then we can work more on those other pieces. Yeah, Yeah, I love that you say, you know, don't blast that person. Don't badmouth that person. Don't share it with other people. I think it's especially true if you have kids together. You know, your kids only have one mom and one dad. Yeah, that's it. And they need those parents, whatever it is that you have between you and that person. 
It doesn't have anything to do with your kids. Mm-hmm. Your kids still need a mom. They still need a dad. Even if, let's say the person's in addiction or they've you know, gone off and done other things, totally. You can be hurt by that, but you should seek counseling and therapy, You know, someone a closed mouth friend to talk to, not with your kids. Mm. Yeah. Really, because that is a huge mistake we see. We're yeah. actually working with a couple now where they've really dragged yeah. the kids through it all. And mm. they're little, you know, they're not all grown yeah. up and it's just like, oh Lord. Mm-hmm. And yeah. now we've created, you know. But you, know, one of the things you asked was, is there hope or can it be reconciled? And we yeah. always say like, if he can reconcile our marriage, he can. <laughs> sure. He can, yeah. You know? mm-hmm. And no matter if it goes, you know, a lot of people panic when the divorce papers finally come and they sign them and yeah. we try to remind them that's not a death sentence. And not, yeah. I mean, it may look like it on paper, but I mean, we have our divorce papers. We bring them, we show them to, to yeah. people that's all so the time. And just wow. say, yeah. God is. You know, he can just... And we've seen people have been divorced 18 years, remarried, 30 years and remarried, seven years and be remarried. And, you know, a lot of them maybe a year or three years. But the bottom line is one of the reasons why they don't get counseling or therapy is because it's a financial crisis. One of the reasons why a lot of um, families split is they get so far in the debt Mm. They're not having fun and they're having to work all the time and they're being denied their self pleasures. And so what happens is they finally say, well, I can get rid of this person. And they don't realize it's going to be double yep. the cost when they do that. It's not sound mm. thinking, but the communication and the financial debt is things that really cause a major part of the problem. And I think that's part of why God put on our hearts to do this as missionaries. Mm-hmm. I mean, we didn't really see that part coming. It was actually a university friend of ours that coined that phrase, Dr. Ben Freudenberg. He said, that's what you are. You're marriage missionaries. And we looked at each other and said, yeah, because so. we didn't want a financial burden on the couple. They usually don't have you know, the means. Some do, but most don't. Or on the church, because the church is funding a lot of other things. But yeah. if mm-hmm. we could raise support as missionaries and go, if we had a team of, and you know what that's like, you know, so that adds a little bit different things that you yeah. can do in ministry. But then it takes that financial pressure mm-hmm. off. And it's been a different concept, I guess, for many. Mm-hmm. So long as God what, allows us to keep. Yeah. And the majority of our churches that we minister to are mom mm-hmm. and pop churches, the ones yeah. that are less than 200 people in their church, they cannot afford anything. So when they invite us, they say, what do you charge? And we say, Mm -hmm. you know, houses feed us. And if you give an honorary, fine. But if you don't, it's not going to be a deal breaker. Mm -hmm. We need to minister to your couples. And you know what? Maybe it's just one couple he wants us to come and talk to. Mm -hmm. And so we go ahead and go. There's been times we've only had one or two or three people, couples show up. But then, you know, We have some times where there's, you know, 50 couples or 40 couples. But, you know, if you know anything about teaching and stuff, the bigger the crowd, the fewer people you reach because they're scared to share their hurts. Because, you know, come on, uh, a lot of churches, uh, they shoot their wounded. (laughs) That that can be true. I don't have any idea what you're talking about. What do you mean? Oh, wait. That doesn't happen. That could be a whole other podcast. Yeah, exactly. Um, one of the reasons we fell in love with you guys and we were, you know, getting in your site and everything and looking around is we're like raw and real because yeah. this is the stuff that's going on in big mm-hmm. crowds. There are people who aren't sharing about their mm-hmm. addictions and their issues and the ugliness of, you know, how do you rebuild physical intimacy when there's been unfaithfulness? And we just 
feel like you do that you got to strip all that back and yeah. let's deal with it. Let's do it. Don't, you know, and a lot of times there's still this thing in the church with a capital C mm-hmm. that, you know, is not going to go there yet. Some yeah. will, yeah. but yeah. yeah. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with more Rebel Parenting. Hey, Rebels, this part of the podcast is brought to you by Care Of, one of our new sponsors. The website is TakeCareOf.com. The code word is Rebel Parenting, 25% off your first month. It's hard to get back into a healthy routine when you've been out of it for a while. And Laura and I know this. We've been out of working out. We just joined a new gym, and I wanted to kickstart it. So I've been trying to figure out what vitamins and supplements to take. And so I went to my doctor. He did a blood panel, and he's recommended some things. And right about that time, Care Of called and said, we want to sponsor the podcast. And they provide... Uh, supplements, vitamins, and they've got a really neat online quiz you can take. And I was a little skeptical, but I went through the online quiz, filling out the things that I want to do. I want to lose weight, gain muscle, and help sleep, and have some stress, stuff like that. They came back with virtually the exact same thing my doctor came back with after the blood panel. Uh, He said I needed magnesium and vitamin D, creatine, protein powder. They came back with the exact same thing. And I was stoked. It makes it so easy, so convenient. Shipped it right to our door. And they've got great tasting flavors. We just mix it up in our tumblers, take it throughout the day. It's really been a huge help. And what I really look for in a company like this is the transparency. Where are the supplements coming from? How are they packaged? How are they brought to you? And they've got all of that on there. It's takecareof.com, code word Rebel Parenting. Welcome back to Rebel Parenting. Did you miss us? Well, I was just wondering, it's kind of like what you just shared. What do you say to the people that are struggling? Maybe not they're going to get separated, but what are some of the key points you say to strengthen your marriage? Mm. Yeah, that they're normal. <laughs> First, I think. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah That's so helpful, though. I think people forget Mm. that to hear, oh, you know what? Everyone struggles. They're just not posting on Facebook and Instagram, (laughs) but everyone struggles. You're totally normal. It's like, oh, we are. Yeah. Oh, it's not the end of the world because everyone else is going through it, too. Yeah, exactly. And also just, you know, when we share our story, we can sense people kind of let their guard down a little bit because there's this thing about going to a marriage event that you know, it's going to be great in marriage. And yes, we're doing fine. Then you get in the car and fight like dogs, you know? And so we talk about the fact that once we remarried and it was beautiful wedding and there's little pictures back here. I don't know if you can see them. They're wonderful. But then that night of our remarriage wedding, we got in our first tiff. And so we share Uh, that. It's like, (laughs) it did not, you know, we still have to learn how to do this. And so we really begin to unpack with couples, simple tools that, you know, Clint and I are basically first generation Christians. We didn't have a lot of modeling of Christianity. So we didn't know how to pray together as a couple. We didn't, Mm. I mean, we prayed over meals, but we didn't know how to pray together. So we actually model it and, you know, they don't have to be embarrassed. The husbands Mm. don't, they don't know how to be a spiritual leader. Well, no kidding. Nobody's showing them how to do that, you know? And, Mm -hmm. you know, the other thing too is showing them how to have a long time God and how to stop the distractions, have the materials ready. And there's no time limit on how much you read or how much you journal or how much you talk to God, but we try to get them in it. You'd be surprised how many couples that are struggling, they say they're Christian, which they made that commitment, and we believe that. 
But what they're not doing is having that relationship with Christ on a daily basis and actually uh, letting the word guide them through the day and also just talking to them, talking with respect and teach them how to do those things. Those are important things. The other thing is, too, what we found out with a lot of couples that are getting ready to separate or they're divorced, they quit dating each other. There's no date night. I mean, you take there's been some couples that maybe six months or a year they haven't gone on a date. Now, I know that when you have kids, you have to be creative and do Mm -hmm. some things. But you still need to chase after your spouse, because if you don't do it, when the kids grow up and go away, you're alone and you're strangers. Yep. Oh, yeah. We see that all the time. That's a great word. Yeah, it's true. We also show them how to be just once a week, how to to be in the word together, what that might look like. And we teach this, you know, a couple of tools like that, just some spiritual literacy some things and then we also we show pictures in our home of the things that annoy each other for example you know we talk about some marriage standards clint came from a military german background i am italian and very much a psalm clint is the proverb right (laughs) he is linear i am right so we use photographs in our home like the inside of clint's office drawer the inside of my office drawer And how these little (laughs) tiny things can be so annoying, you Mm -hmm. know, like the way I load the dishwasher, the way Clint loads the dishwasher. Mm -hmm. Simple things to get them to realize that, that. yes, yeah, Yeah. frustrating and hard and normal and, yeah, you know. You know what's interesting, too, is so many couples don't ever tell the other person that. They just assume it. In their mind, it's like... Why are you squeezing toothpaste in the middle? It goes from the end. You roll it and you scratch it and, you, and you're doing it in the middle and it's all over the And the other person's like, what are you talking about? I don't have any idea what you're talking about. Laura and I, yeah, we joke about this. Yeah, 10 years later. <laughs> Laura had 16 homes in 18 years. Oh, wow. Yeah. I had one. Yeah. And so I put things away in the same place every time, every single time, unless I decide this is a more efficient place and then it will go in the more efficient place and then I'll never move it again. And I'd be like, Laura, where's the colander? And she's like, what are you talking about? I'm like the sieve for pasta. It's like, I don't know. It's in a cupboard. And I'm like, but it's always gone here. And she looks at me like, what are you talking about? It's in a cupboard. Like, it's that's clean put and put away. I did put away. my job. Yeah. And, to her, moving so many homes so many times, there was never your stuff, my stuff, our stuff. This is where stuff goes. This is a linen closet. This is where the mixing bowls go. This is where measuring spoons go. There wasn't an organized place for it throughout her entire life. My mom, not OCD, but you know. Yeah, yeah, I got that, Gene. On the spectrum, maybe. Just love you, Shirley. And, I mean, my mom has a specific place in the garage for the outdoor furniture cushions, and they're in plastic bags and in a place during winter, and when winter is over, the plastic bags go in another place, and the cushions go back out. You know, I grew up in one way, Laura grew up another way, but if you're not talking, Mm -hmm. if your communication is broken down and you're not going, you know what, I don't want your gross toothbrush touching my toothbrush. Like, I don't like that. It bugs me then no one's talking about it. Yeah, exactly. And and you take those little irritations that build up over time and then throw in a couple big ones like financial differences. Like one of you is more credit card, you know, whatever. And the other's Mm -hmm. like credit card, you can't have a credit card, you know, and then you start get bigger and bigger and you're not talking Mm -hmm. about them. And then it just, 
you know, it explodes from there. So I think normalizing, you know, some of these irritations and even bringing in some humor. I mean, they're yeah. just, it's mm-hmm. funny. It's maybe not at the time, but it yeah. is funny. Yeah. And uh, just bringing in some of that and then showing some tangible ways to get over it. One of the things I think that has helped us the most is helping people look back into their childhood, not as a, you know, it's not a blame game kind of thing, but we do these marriage timelines where yeah. we take them back. Mm-hmm. To look at, like you talk about your mom or her parents, or yeah. because we see so much of the issues of being raised, the family of origin, those family yeah. of origins merge and they don't merge so well. No, they yeah. Don't. yeah, not at all. Oh, no. Yeah. That's a big one, though. It's huge. Uh, we had these therapists for a while, and they talked about family of origin all the time, to the point where every now and then I'd just be thinking in my head, I get it, family of origin, I get it, fine. <laughs> But I wasn't. I wasn't understanding. I was. It's that thing where I realized Laura had 16 homes in 18 years. Two and a half of that was on a boat in the ocean. Oh my you God. know, it was in the middle of nowhere where there's no space for anything. And I wasn't recognizing the fullness of what it means. And for me, how rigid and black and white and overbearing I was being about, you know, loading the <laughs> dishwasher. Like, no, I've. And my problem, my poor wife. I've literally read the manual to the dishwasher because there is a right and wrong way to load it. But here's the truth. Who cares? Yeah, it doesn't it, matter. You just wash it tomorrow. Yes, it is no. <laughs> and so I think that's one of the things that people, they struggle with. And we have to learn to let go of more than we think is necessary. It's mm. like, do I want to be right or do I want to be right next to you? Yeah. Do I want to yeah. be right over there by myself or right next to this one? And if mm. I want to be right next to this one, then I got to let go of some stuff. Mm. I got to ease up a little bit. And, you know, for Laura, Laura needed to do, you know, the pendulums needed to swing yeah. each other's way Towards more. Towards each other. We, we call that gradients of agreement. We yeah. find out what I like and what. But she doesn't like and way then, over here. Yeah. And so we have these things that we teach couples how to take those differences that you have and write a standard to where both of you. So in other words, you know, when when you left your family and she left her family, now you have a new family. So you have to have new standards that mm-hmm. work for you and the kids. But, you know, before you had the kids, if you start setting up these standards, then, you know, like. When you do raise your kids, you'll teach them about finances. You'll teach them about mm-hmm. what do we watch on TV and how do we talk to each other. Mm-hmm. And those are our shared things. You know, you talk about the differences that you are. She's Italian. I'm German. And her family, they talk until it, it's dead. <laughs> I mean, they just talk, talk, talk. And then we talk some more. Yeah, yeah. they do. <laughs> they throw their hands all over the place. They get in your face. And I, I'm from a German background. And we would talk about it for two minutes and we said, yeah, yeah. And then we'd move on. And then that was yeah. all there was to it, you know. Yeah. But when I was first married to Penny that first time, I didn't understand that at all. And it wasn't until God sent us to uh, Italy in 2006 to minister to another couple. He showed me the Italian culture mm. and I couldn't believe it. When I finally saw it, I said to Penny, that's your family. She said, yeah. Oh, I'm Italian. That's what they do. And, mm-hmm. But the, all of them did it. And so then it made more sense to me. But sure. up until that time, it didn't make sense. And then in 2014, 2015, went we went to Germany. to Germany on a trip. And she said, holy cow, this is your family. So, <laughs> you know, God gave us those experiences to see 
we have differences, but he can put us together. And when he puts us together, it's to complete us so that yeah. we can be used by him. And it doesn't mean be used 24-7. It means that when he gives a divine appointment to you, that you're equipped and prepared to do that, that mm-hmm. deed that mm-hmm. he wants you to do. Yeah, totally. for sure. Totally. Well, before we go, I just wanted to ask you guys talk a, a lot about getting a third party. And here at Rebel Parenting, we preach that all the time as much as we can, Amen. you know, how important it is to get a third party. Do you have any ideas or your philosophy on finding counselors or ideas for our listeners? Yeah. Uh, I mean, we actually kind of suggest the prayer partner idea first, because some people okay. get freaked out when you talk about counseling right off the bat. But the idea of having an advocate you know, we, we have kind of this list and we can email the list out to you or to listeners. We have a list of kind of qualities to look for mm, in a prayer nice. partner or life advocate mm-hmm. and where that person may come from, you know, and mm-hmm. expect the unexpected with God. You know, like Clint's mm-hmm. first prayer partner wasn't <laughs> anything like him, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and and so we really kind of teach to open yourself up to, you know, God's choice for that person. And we stay away from, you know, cross-gender yeah. Um, things because they yeah. intimacy and all that can happen. But just isn't it a wonderful thing to have someone to do life yeah. with? Mm-hmm. And actually, what's optimum is if they find this person when they're healthy. Yes. So because sometimes yeah. when you're in crisis, you're like, I'll take anybody, you know, yeah. just, uh, and I want to dump all this stuff. Yeah, and right. we try and tell, especially guys, it's a bi-directional relationship. You know, you guys are helping each other out, life and together. you're doing life together, and you got to make sure that you don't burn this other person out. It's not all about you. Mm-hmm. It's also about the other person and you strengthen their lives, their marriages, their relationships. And so it's a really special thing that happens, but it just doesn't happen overnight. You really got to pray for the right person. And then when you approach that person, you got to let them pray about it. And then there's a testing period to make sure that you can trust each other. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. And I think part of it too, uh, Laura, is that, this is really a time to be a student. So if you're, mm. for example, like we've made resource lists of different, you know, marriage books and things we recommend. If one spouse wants to save it, if both want to save it, if mm. you know, and it's a time to, to be super resourceful and say, wow, same way that let's say you're diagnosed with a terrible illness, right? Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden you are spending all your time researching that yep. illness looking for doctors and you'll try any treatment you got to do that same thing of just saying wow i am going to be resourceful here and i'm going to find out everything i can i'm going to become a student that's a great distinction yeah that's fantastic that really a lot because really if it is a painful separation and divorce and all that it's more like managing a chronic illness and you Mm -hmm, get it mm -hmm. you know that way and and there's a multitude of people that can help with yeah. that, in, in addition to counselors. Yeah, yeah. And, and also we try and steer them away from the senior pastors yeah. because yeah. senior pastors got so much on their plate. And, okay. you know, if, if, if the church has a marriage ministry going on, that'd be great. But like I said at the beginning, there's about less than 1% of the churches across the nation has an ongoing intentional marriage ministry that's there to help strengthen, equip, and repair you know, mm-hmm. we don't mean don't tell your senior pastor. Sure. If you want right. to do yeah. that. Yeah. But yeah. You're looking 
him to for, her or yeah. to fix all that is it's right. looking at them for counseling. It's overwhelming for yeah. them. I mean, they're trying to do so many things, you know, aside from mm-hmm. just planning a service every single week and directing yes. all the things that go on. There's a lot going on. And it, sometimes it's unrealistic to expect that of a head pastor. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you for being so candid and so honest. I know it's and so authentic. great to hear the transparency. Oh. We really do appreciate Love it. it. Oh gosh, you guys too. We thank you for what you're doing yeah. for parents and families, and just yeah. we were inspired just reading about your story and what God's put on your hearts to yeah to do. Awesome. Thank you so much. You too. Keep up doing what you're doing. We'll do it. Thank you, you so too. much. Thank you. Bless you guys. Our special thanks to Clinton Penny for coming on today. Thank you for being vulnerable and transparent, sharing your story. Thank you all for listening, sharing this with your friends and family. Thank you to the Voice of the Martyrs for sponsoring this program. God bless you, Rebels. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving holiday. We will see you soon. Rebel Parenting is produced by Rebel Media House. And when you need a little help with your marriage or parenting, and everyone does, you can find it at rebelparenting.org. Sign up for the Rebel Update by texting the word REBEL to 444-999. That's R-E-B-E-L, and the number is 444-999. We love it when you share Rebel Parenting with your friends and family, so thank you. God bless. Thanks for spending your time with us, and we'll see you next time for another episode of Rebel Parenting.